We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. I want to go to the Western Hotline because my friend Brian Koziel joins me, who was uh, just recording his Tea to Green episode this morning live from a two-hour special. Of course, it's major week, so two-hour Tea to Green specials, which was live from Niagara Frontier Country Club, um, a beautiful golf course up in the North Towns. Um, Brian, first and foremost, how are the conditions looking out up at that course? I haven't gotten out to, uh, to Niagara Frontier quite yet, but it's it's a place I like to get out to you know, five, ten times a year because it is just an absolutely beautiful track. Oh, man, it was in beautiful shape this morning. I mean, first of all, we know the weather has, now that it's turned this past week, all golf courses have, like, really hit their stride in terms of looking in good shape. But, I mean, that course, to me, is just, it's so unique. Every hole has such a different look to it. And the fact that you're literally on the do- on the doorstep of Lake Ontario, but there's, like, quite a bit of undulation change on the course. Like you wouldn't think it, it's so flat Niagara County up by the lake, but in that area, just they've got a little Valley that runs through the course and it allows for some really nice elevation change along the way, which is what I think adds to the, the real good look of that course. So yeah, it was fun being up there this morning. Uh, obviously we talked a ton about the PGA championship, but that course is just, it's one of those gems up there that if you haven't been up to Youngstown to play it, uh, you should, Try to find your way out there. It's a it's a really really cool spot. And one of the things I'll uh, I will plug for Niagara Frontier is they are very open. If you've been considering membership, um, if you're looking for a good deal that you know a, a, on a great course that, and I think the the misconception about Niagara Frontier is it's just super far away from Western New York. It's a half hour drive, thirty five minutes at the most, especially if you're from downtown. They're willing to let you get out there for a round, test the course out. So if you're looking for membership opportunities, you may not have a better deal in western new york than the niagara frontier it's a good spot and you're right like it's the thought is it's so far away but from buffalo just go up on 190 up north and uh you're there like you said just a little maybe about a half hour so it uh it was a great spot to be this morning to talk about the pga and to talk about the course and i mean kevin jeff and i this morning on tee to green like we were just you know we couldn't talk enough about how great and how big of a story it could be if Phil Mickelson at <laughs> age 50 ends up figuring out a way to pull this off. We know the task is still huge. She's still only 50% through. But, man, not only – I mean, everybody talks about – and, Nate, you and I are a little too young to been there and understand what Jack Nicholas winning at age 46 and 86 at the Masters. But everybody says that might be the greatest major moment. But the fact that – we could have a 50-year-old yeah. win on what, if they play it possibly at the longest length possible, you know, this is one of the longest 
events ever in major championship history. Like, what an accomplishment this could truly be. I mean, Mickelson doesn't look like a 50-year-old uh, with how he hits it and how he plays, but, man, to, I mean, to have a guy at that age, if he could beat the, the best in the world, 99 of the top 100 are playing this week at the PGA Championship. If he's able to pull that off, I mean, I, we were saying it's a slam dunk. It would be the greatest story in PGA Championship history. Yeah. Where would it rank in all-time golf major victories? Like, I mean, it, it's monumental. It's definitely in the discussion. Uh, you know, maybe Jack in 86 at the Masters, maybe Tiger at 97 at the Masters, you know, some of these other great moments that we've seen. But it, we, we all, at least the three of us, were in agreement. It would be the greatest moment in PGA Championship history if Mickelson somehow did win at age 50. And the other thing, Brian, that I, I find so interesting, and listen, Louis Ustase is right there as well. That's another guy that we're not talking about the biggest hitters, right? And and it was going into this PGA Championship, Brian, and, and I was talking with a lot of my buddies about, you know, who do you like in this in this tournament? And there was a lot of answers, right? Is it with with all the wind that has been in play in the first two days, you would almost assume it would have to be one of the big hitters, right? It'd have to be Rory. It would have to be Bryson, a guy that can still shape the ball and can still hit the ball very far, even if there's a 20-mile-per-hour wind gust right in their face. I mean, we're watching, you know, Bryson hit 195-yard shots downwind with a pitching wedge. So the advantage you would think in the wind conditions would be the really big hitters. And just the the narrative that we've been hearing for the better part of two, maybe even three years now, is these courses are playing longer and longer to sort of satisfy the needs of these really long hitters and, and how it's almost become a disadvantage for players like Phil or some of these guys that are in their late 40s and early 50s that still can compete at the PGA level. They just... You know, the, the narrative is that they it's just not a fair playing field for them. And here's Phil Mickelson coming leading, you know, as one of the shorter hitters on tour. Now, it, Phil's not hitting it short. I mean, he's, he'll still hit it 315, 320. Um, but to do it in the conditions, Brian, I wonder what kind of narrative buster it would be if a player like Phil at the course of his career where he is – uh, going up against some of the biggest hitters on the longest major course ever played, it would just, it, I think it would go a really long way on a lot of the discussions that are being had in pro golf right now about distance and, and sort of the negative connotation around it. Yeah, I think we're, we're seeing that the longest hitters in some venues, in some instances, are going to have an advantage. You still, in golf, have to know how to get up and down, still have to know how to make putts. No matter how far you are at this course, if you venture off the fairway, you're going to be in trouble rather quickly. There's some other courses you can spray it all over and get away with it. Uh, this week, there is sand areas everywhere, and there's little bushes and little gnarly grass clumps everywhere in some of these. Brooks Kepka found one of those yesterday and made an incredible shot to make an eagle. But um, for Mickelson, I mean, one of the fun things about Mickelson, we know that he's been known, his, uh, his trademark phrase now is about hitting bombs. For him, he does. He's hitting it as far as he has in his whole life, but he's still not hitting it like Bryson DeChambeau is or Brooks Kepka is, but he's still hitting it far. But in comparison to the young guys, he's able to hang this week because he's been so accurate. I love some of the strategies that Mickelson has talked about this week, and I think this enhances your point that golf doesn't necessarily always have to be about who's hitting it the farthest. 
there were two things that Mickelson said this week that I thought was really, really good in terms of his approach. The first one was he said, look, I'm older. He's age, you know, we're mentioning he's age 50 here again. Right. He said to concentrate for the amount of shots and the amount of preparation before each shot that it takes in a PGA Tour event, not only for a full day, but for four rounds. He said it takes a lot of focus. And he goes, look, I will, he, he goes, I will admit, and he goes, I know it's my age. He said there are a couple of shots or a handful of shots each round that after I hit it, he goes, I know I just wasn't focused on it for whatever reason. He says, look, I know physically I'm actually where I want to be right now. He goes, I'm hitting all the golf shots. I'm capable of doing it all. He goes, I, I like where I'm at physically hitting golf shots right now. But he said the focus over 18 holes he said sometimes he admitted, like, it's slipping on him. One thing that he's done, he said that these last two weeks to change that, to prep for this week, he said he's gone to, I know, Nate, you'll love this. Mm-hmm. This, is a, this is a great argument for you to use. He goes, I've pl- decided to play 36 or 45 holes a day to prep for this tournament. So when I play 18, trying to focus for 18 will seem a little easier. And he goes, I think I'll end up shooting better scores. So, Nate, there you go. There's your solution that you can let everybody know, listen, tell your job, tell your girlfriend, look, I need to play 36 to 45 a day so that when I play an important 18, I'm better focused. I will absolutely (laughs) be going into uh, into the reservoir for that excuse every time. Listen, I had to play 36 today. I've got a round of 18 in two weeks. Uh, you know, you know what? In the lead up, I am I'm playing in um, my first you know New York State tournament this uh, next month in in um, in June up in Albany. It's a New York State mid amateur, um, and I'm I'm pretty excited to play, but I'm nervous. You know, I mean, I've never played in a real competitive tournament before, so uh, probably the entire month of June I'll be pulling that one out, Brian. Hey, hey I've got a I've got a tournament to prep for. I got to play at least 36 every other day at the very most. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing that Phil said that I also said thought was interesting was about club selection. Now, this course, we know a lot of the, the talk has been about playing the wind, playing into the wind, that final whole stretch there, 14 through 18, where you go directly into the wind, where it feels like it for the most part. Uh, it's been really, really tough. Obviously, those have been the toughest holes on the golf course. Mickelson, even despite his incredible round yesterday, finished 17 and 18, which were his first nine, uh, bogey, bogey. But he said he and his brother, Tim Mickelson, who's now his caddy on the bag, um, they've really come up with what he thinks is a really good plan. And a lot of it is, he says, is taking at least one extra club. And he said, yes, it's because sometimes I need it into the wind. But what he has said is that he said on Thursday morning, because he had the late tea time on Thursday, he said he was watching some of the TV coverage and saw there were really good shots that were just getting thrown by the wind two or three yards left or two or three yards right, and it ended up being in some big trouble. And his thought was, look, I'm not going to maximize my di- worry about maximizing my distance necessarily with what irons I'm going to hit. So instead of, let's say, hitting an eight iron, he's taking a seven or a six, and he said he's taking kind of like an 85% approach in terms of his shots because it allows him to take what he calls a shorter swing or a what he had said is going back, you know, if you can picture on the radio here, you're going back less and going forward less. He said he's able to control it better. And he said with a lower ball flight, it's keeping it out of the wind. And his thought is the variability then for whatever the wind does, he goes, something that I can't control, he said as much less 
And guess what? This week he's been so accurate. He's number one in strokes gained off the tee. So by shortening his swing and actually taking more club, but actually hitting it maybe at just not 100%, he's kept himself out of trouble. Now, doing that for two more days, we know he's filled the thrill for a reason. He loves to go all over the place, which is why we love watching him. But he's kind of been Phil the boring guy here. You know, I don't have a good phrase for you on that. He's been right down the middle. He's taking a more conservative approach. But think about that. The lower ball flight out of the wind, that's been a big story this week. He's been really doing that, and I think that's another key piece that uh, is why he's on top right now. Brian Koziel here on the Western Hotline. We're talking the PGA Championship Round 3 coverage just underway about an hour and 15 minutes ago on ESPN. Jordan Spieth, uh, two under for the day and putting for birdie here, Brian. And uh, he he just missed that birdie putt. Where, where, where are you in the first two rounds of, I think, two players that I think came into this tournament as guys that I think a lot of people liked, particularly Rory McIlroy coming off a win two weeks ago and knowing what we know with his history at the PGA in 2008 at Kiowa. And Jordan Spieth, a guy who has really sort of just been in the thick of things for the better part of the entire season. Both guys kind of struggled in the first two days. Both make the cut, but it's Spieth today that I think is taking the steps necessary to get himself back in contention. We just haven't seen it from Rory. Thoughts on both of their games through two rounds and, uh, and what a big round three might do for their chances on Sunday. Yeah, I thought, I thought obviously this Mickelson story is taking on a whole another level, but I thought maybe the, the most realistic story of the week that would be the best one would have been for Jordan Spieth to win. If he was able to complete the career grand slam this week, I mean, that to me, not only does it kind of put a stamp on what we think is maybe his comeback now to golf since he's been struggling so much as of late, it would be an incredible story to add him to the list of you know Hall of Famers that have won all four major tournaments. Spieth this week is putting terribly. I saw a stat through two rounds. He's 151st out of 154 in terms of putting strokes gained on the green. When Spieth has been d- dialed in this year, it's because he's been great on those medium and short-length putts. He drops bombs a lot. It's just one of his fortes. But... If you're not making the 15-footer the and the 10-footer consistently, that's where you can kind of fall down, by, down the board. So if Spieth has any chance this weekend to get back in it, he's got to get the putter going a little bit more hot because uh, that's really when he's playing at his best is when his putter when – he, when he was the best player in the world, I thought, maybe about five years ago, he was the best putter in the game. And he isn't super long off the tee. He'll never be super accurate. He's kind of like Tiger and Phil in that sense. He's never going to be – just perfect off the tee. Like some of these guys that we see, like Henrik Stenson, that just stripe it down the middle every single time. Um, Spieth's just going to be all over the place, just like Tiger was and like Phil were, but they were able to overcome it. Mickelson with maybe the greatest short game ever. Woods with the greatest putter ever when he was hot. Uh, Spieth can do it too with his putter. As far as McElroy goes, my goodness, what a tease. This guy, you think he's back. I was sucked in this week thinking he did have a great chance to win because he was back at a course that he had won the PGA at in 2012 thinking, hey, not only did I win two weeks ago, but I got good mojo. I'm back in a place where I won. Yesterday, he had it to even. And then he went bogey, bogey, bogey to finish. And now back to plus three, and now he's off, he's off to plus four here early on in his round already. Uh, this is a guy that can get as hot as anybody. When he's on his A game, I still think he's the best in the world. Uh, but, man, this guy just, he's a tease to watch. He's so good. 
and then he'll just for two or three holes he'll throw it all back. And I just I don't see enough consistency in his game right now to really think that he is going to be in contention at all this weekend. Last two guys I want to kind of talk to you about. Maybe I'll throw in a third because I think he's earned um, some praise for really his play almost this entire season. And it's um, it's Corey Connors of, of um, well, he's Canadian, Corey Connors. But just a guy that, listen, as, as a guy that watches a lot of golf, Brian, I've never truly been in love with Corey Connors' swing. Some people really love it. Um, it's a little slow and methodical for me, but it has really been working for him, especially this year. He's just been in every tournament, right? I mean, he's a guy that finds himself in the top five a lot. He's earned himself a lot of money, and I think a lot of credibility in this season. Um, thoughts on his ability at two under? I think he's well within striking distance. We saw, um, you know, we kind of saw what he was able to do in round one, took a little bit of a step back in round two. Is he a guy that maybe is on your radar for maybe someone um, that can push to maybe get this thing close or, or potentially over the top by, by the end of Sunday? Get close. I'll argue for win. I'm not sure if I'm there yet. The two biggest tournaments of the year so far, the players, he finished seventh, the masters, he finished tied for eighth. So he's, he's shown that on the biggest stages, he's able to come up and play well, but he's had leads this year or he's been in contention to win. And he's found ways not to, I mean, he was had a chance to win at the RBC heritage. He ended up finishing fourth there. He had a chance to win at the Arnold Palmer, ended up finishing third. So I don't know if he's in, like, I can close it out mode yet. Maybe a little of what Tony Finau has been battling with this year, where he's been in contention to win so often. Um, Connors, I feel like, is great if you're in a fantasy league, if you're looking, if you're on FanDuel, yeah. yep. if you're looking to make a top ten bet. Like, he's a guy you can make money on, something like that. I don't know if he's quite ready to win yet major-wise. Now, everybody at some point has got to win their first. So he has the talent to do it. I guess I just wouldn't say that maybe I see it happening this weekend where he rises. There's too many good guys at the top. The top four guys have all won a major. Nicholson, Ustazen, Kepka, and Matsuyama. Mm-hmm. Let's not forget Hideki, who won the Masters and kind of has been quiet. Yeah. Usually, the, usually the Masters champion comes into this event with a ton of pub. Matsuyama has been kind of quiet flying in there. And lo and behold, look at Hideki's two off the lead. So, Let's not sleep on him either. Yeah, he, he was going to be the the next guy, along with Bryson DeChambeau, I was going to kind of ask you about of which of those two do you like their chances more. And I, I think your point about Matsuyama is really interesting. I mean, if you've won the Masters, typically you're you're going to be the most hyped-up player going into the next major. And, I mean, listen, he has been fairly quiet because he hasn't played in every event since the Masters and in between the PGA Championship. So this is a guy, though, I think, Brian, that is really on the cusp of and maybe should be considered um, the best player in the world um, and I, let me tell you if he can if he can find a way to get to the top of the leaderboard by tomorrow um, win this event or even be in the top two or three by the end of it I think he's got a really good argument that that right now he's maybe the best player in the world yeah I would agree I think that there, that I mean Matsuyama DeChambeau these are two guys that I think can win at any moment I mean, there you go DeChambeau another major winner yep, right like you asked me about Connors earlier there's a lot of guys that have won a major that are right around the top here. Don't forget, Ustazen won an, an Open Championship by seven strokes back in 2010. That's another guy that's got just a beautiful swing. If you watch his swing today, for folks at home that want to emulate a guy's golf swing, like Bryson DeChambeau might not be the guy that I would say model your golf swing at unless you are seriously committed to maybe physically changing your body. But Ustazen 
my goodness, what a gorgeous swing. That's a swing that we can all try and emulate. The pace, the tempo, it's perfect. Um, there's just there's so many guys at the top here, Nate. Matsuyama's a, a swing I also might not say you want to emulate. He's got that super long pause at the top. That's, that's uh, something that is kind of an old-school way of thinking. Um, I know Jeff Metis from our show has always said, you know, they used to coach that, he goes, many, many, many years ago, that you'd want like a kind of a stop or a pause at the top of the swing. He goes, they don't really coach that up anymore, teach that anymore, but it's definitely something that Matsuyama we know is disciplined. I mean, he, if anybody, just doesn't seem rattled by the moment at all. So if he came in here and got it done, I wouldn't be surprised. To me, though, out of all the guys at the top here, it's Kepka is the guy that probably, if I was going to say who's the guy that rises up out of these four guys that have won a major out of the top, uh, as long as Kepka physically is not, he says he's hurt. He says he's not injured. And somebody asked him, how's he feeling? And he basically said, it's a major. I'm fine. <laughs> I love, I love yeah. that answer out of Kepka. Now, Kepka, I think, said some interesting things, some controversial things, but I love that line. In other words, look, this is, this is a major. I'm here. And I don't, it doesn't matter if I'm hurt or not hurt. Yeah. It's a major. I'm here. He said he was like, he goes, I was truly injured for the Masters, Kepka said. But he goes, when someone invites you to play at Augusta National, he goes, you play. You show up. Yeah. I, was like, <laughs> I was like, yep, okay. I, I, I kind of like that brash sort of just no-nonsense mentality of like, it's a major, yeah, I'll be there. You know, I, I love that out of Kepka. That shot, if he goes on to win, the shot yesterday, if you haven't seen the highlights, search for it, par five, he's in one of those sandy areas in the middle of kind of a clump of large, large grass, and he just bashes one out of there up just short of the green, bounces, bounces on, and then he makes a long eagle putt. He made two eagles yesterday on the par fives. If he goes on to win, that's a key moment right there. That might be a key highlight for him. Um, it's, uh, there's a lot of sand. We're going to see a lot of shots out of sand. By the way, don't be that guy that calls into the PGA of America if you see somebody take a practice <sighs> swing. This week, they are allowing practice swings, or if you accidentally graze the sand, because there's sandy areas everywhere. Everywhere, right. So then there's a lot of areas, too, around cart paths and around... Where you can ground the club. Holes. Yeah, where yeah, it's where, not it's not a true bunker. You can yeah. ground the club. It's not defined well. Right. Like, oh, is this, is this grass or is this sand? Like, because it's not well defined, the PGA of America just said, look, we're, we don't want to have any issues, any controversies. You know, wouldn't Dustin Johnson have liked that 10 years ago yeah, when right. he was trying to win at Whistling Straits? Uh, when they had that matted down sandy yep. area where all the fans were. But um, the PGA of America, I think, has done a great job with this tournament. I mean, look, at it's playing tough, but it's also got some birdie holes. I think we're in for a tremendous weekend here. And uh, the course looks great on TV. I mean, the views, yeah, it does. the coastline that they're showing, like, yeah, sign me up to go play at this course. I'm in. All right, Brian. Well, enjoy the rest of your weekend, man. I know we'll be uh, watching very closely to the tournament over the next two days. A uh, lot of great golf on uh, on tap, and uh, you and me will be teeing off in the morning. So I'm looking forward to it, man. That's right. It's uh, it's it's a great uh, little preset before the final round tomorrow. I'm sure many will be tuned in to hear highlights from our round. Oh, I can only imagine. And you and me will we will bring the highlights. Don't worry. I, I'm sure of that. I hope. <laughs> Sounds good, my friend. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks, Nate. Yep, Brian. See you tomorrow. Sounds good. Brian Cozio there on the Western Hotline.